Timothy. So yes, we are in Acts um, chapter 28, and we're starting at verse 16 and reading all the way through to 31. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and um, handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed amongst themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Thanks so much, Geraldine. Our speaker tonight is Jane Biko. Uh, Jane is a lawyer. She works for the post office. Uh, she's also a super volunteer here at the church. She is our church warden. She might as well be on staff, quite frankly, the amount that she does. She's absolutely amazing. So would you give a warm welcome to Jane as she comes to speak to us? Martin's always so very kind to me. So my talk today is called Unstoppable Good News. Now, if I'm honest, I love a bit of Instagram. Not the negative side, but the positive. So I love a good meme. I love to see my friends on holiday, having a good time. And I love a good news story. Who doesn't love a good news story? So in terms of good news, do you remember this story back in 2010? On our broadcast tonight, one by one, the miners trapped for two months are brought to freedom in a rescue mission the whole world is watching. While on the surface, 
the tears and cheers and joyful reunions. Again and again and again. Prayers answered. The Chilean miners rescued back in 2010, they were stuck in a collapsed mine for 69 days. They were praying and singing, and they were released. All of them were rescued, all 33. And then a couple of years ago, we had this tennis moment. This was good news. <laughs> this was fantastic. And we all remember Captain Tom Moore walking up down the length of his garden during lockdown. It was such a bleak time, but it was wonderful just to see him trying to raise money for the NHS. And when I first saw him at the very beginning taking those steps, he was just trying to raise a few thousand pounds. But the news of what he was doing spread, that it came to a point where he raised over 33 million pounds. Good news travels fast. We love good news and it travels fast. And right here in the passage that was read to us by Geraldine, thank you, we see Paul who made it his life's mission to spread the good news. The good news of Jesus, where he laid down his life for us, that all sins could be wiped clean, that we can have eternal life. Now, you might have heard this for the, this might be your first time hearing this, or you might have heard this so many times before, and let me break this down for you, that if you were the only person on this earth, Jesus would have died for you. God loves you so much, he would have sent his son to die just for you. Through this good news, Paul had a passion to let people know of it. In spreading this news, he was unstoppable and he was not going to let anything or anyone stop him. So let's just take a step back and have a look at Paul. So here we have a man that was once called Saul. He was a Jew who persecuted Christians. He broke up churches, imprisoned Christians, and he approved Stephen's death through stoning. Then on one day on the, day to, on the road to Damascus... He was converted to Christianity, he was blinded for three days, and then the Lord restored his sight. Saul changed his name to his Roman name, Paul. He was beaten, stoned and left for dead. He was imprisoned, but still he persevered in making the gospel known. Now, just before the chapter that we were looking at, Paul was arrested and imprisoned by the Romans. He had three hearings where the Roman judges failed to resolve his case in Jerusalem. Paul then asked to appeal to the Roman Emperor Caesar. So Paul was then put on a ship with some other prisoners. He went through a turbulent sea voyage where he was shipwrecked before he arrived in Rome. So the passage starts where he arrives in Rome and Paul is put under house arrest with a soldier guarding him. Paul then calls the Jewish leaders and once the Jewish leaders are gathered together, he explains that he's done nothing wrong. He's not guilty of a crime deserving death. But then the Jews objected to his release, so he appealed to Caesar. He had no option. And he says to Jewish leaders at verse 19 of the passage, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. 
Paul isn't separating himself from the Jewish people. Paul is a Christian of Jewish background. And there's something about how God uses our background to connect to those who are around us, uses our backgrounds and also environments that we were once in. So I love dancing and I love dancing to old school hip hop and R&B. And I can't do choreographed dancing, but my freestyle's on point. Now, over the years, years ago, I would go to clubs like Subterranea, Corks, Maximus, and I'd go to nights held by this Radio 1 DJ called Trevor Nelson. Now, I stopped doing all of that now just because, you know, the main reason is I like to be in bed by 10 o'clock. But last year, Trevor Nelson had a special one-off in London. So he held um, this night in southeast London. I went down with some friends. We're dancing, having a good time. And then some people came over to us and they said, oh, well, how do you know each other? And I said, well, we used to go to the same church, but now we're church wardens. And there's a joke about that, three church wardens walking to a club. But I said, <laughs> we're church wardens now. So they asked, well, what's a church warden? And you go to church. And I said, yeah. So we started talking about our faith, our churches, and about the gospel. It was so unexpected and just such a, a blessing. And as I say, God really uses our background to connect with those around us. At verse 20, Paul explains that it's because of the hope of Israel, Jesus Christ, that he's bound with a chain. The chain attached to Paul is there to prevent him from proclaiming the gospel, the good news. And as I was preparing this talk, and as I'm stood here, I'm wondering if some of us have a chain that's stopping us from talking about the news of Jesus. That chain might be preventing us from speaking to colleagues or speaking to friends, speaking to family, or we might be in situations where there's a new group that we want to break into. It might be like our kids, you know, mums at the school gate, and we're fearful of what they might think of us. And that's a chain that's preventing us from speaking about the news of Jesus. At verse 21, we see the Jewish leaders say they hadn't heard about Paul. It seems likely that Jewish leaders wouldn't wouldn't have heard about Paul's case because of sea travel back then. So Paul had left Palestine on one of the last ships of the previous sailing season, and he arrived in Italy on one of the first ships. So it would have been difficult for someone from Palestine to arrive in Rome before he did. But also, despite all of this, it's likely that the Roman Jews would have cast a blind eye towards this case anyway, because the legalities surrounding Paul's case were pretty weak. At verse 23, it says that they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and they, the Jewish leaders, came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And from morning until evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. We have Paul, an intellectual. He was a Pharisee, so he was a Jewish leader. And we also know that he's the son of a Pharisee. And in Acts chapter 26, 24, we see his great learning referred to. So he would have been intellectually brilliant His education will be second to none. So Paul was speaking to Jewish leaders who were on a similar intellectual part to him. And we see that some were convinced 
but some did not believe. This happened then, and it happens now. We can use clever arguments to try and explain the gospel. And that's not what it's about. The Bible isn't an intellectual exercise. And I say this because in the past, I've used the Bible like this myself, and I have to guard myself against that now, reading the Bible, not undertaking that practice. The Bible is a living word where God speaks to us. He meets with us. Now, when Paul was speaking to Jewish leaders, there would have been some intellectual sparring. But that wasn't the point. It wasn't about landing that intellectual argument. It was about explaining and letting the Holy Spirit move and do his work. And we need to do this when we speak about the good news. We need to just lift opportunities up to God and let the Holy Spirit just do his work. And I believe all too often there is a fear sometimes about speaking about the good news of Jesus for two reasons. One, that chain that I spoke about before, that fear of judgment, what people might think about us. And if I'm honest, I used to let this hold me back years ago at work. I used to be quite fearful. I was terrified about telling people that I was a Christian because I just thought, what are they going to think about me? They'll just think I'm a bit strange. But then eventually they would find out. They would find out through witness, through conversations, that inevitable question, what did you do over the weekend? Okay, you mentioned you went to church, and that starts a conversation. And in the end, when colleagues did find out that I was a Christian, it was fine. And in, in fact, people would approach me and ask me to pray with them, which was a beautiful thing. The second reason we tend not to think, we tend not to speak about the good news of Jesus is the fear of not being able to answer questions or not knowing how to answer the questions or just fear about it generally. So there are four points that I would speak to on this and they all begin with the letter P. Firstly, plant yourselves in the Bible. Remember what I said before about scripture. It isn't an intellectual exercise. It's a living word. The Bible is a living word. I'm saying that we should read the Bible because if we're speaking about the good news of Jesus, it's good to have an evidence base about what we're speaking about, about that hope in Jesus. And reading the Bible's good because that is where God speaks to us. It says to us at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. The Bible shapes us and feeds us spiritually. And if you've never picked up the Bible before, or you haven't picked up the Bible in a long time because of busyness or pain, there are lots of reasons why we might not pick up the Bible, then I'd suggest perhaps starting with the gospel like Mark. Start with Mark, look at that today. And there are also books and Bible plans you can use. So you've got the Bible in one year. Okay, you're supposed to start it in January, but it doesn't matter, it's July. You can start it today. And also, you might want to think about your routine. So you might want to go to bed earlier, wake up earlier, read the Bible, or listen to the Bible when you go to a run, for a run. That's what I tend to do. Then two, we've got pray for wisdom and discernment. Ask God for wisdom before, during, and after you speak about the gospel, for God to be with you as you speak, as you speak, he'll help you speak through it. And also it's good just to 
pray for seeds to be sown after a conversation. That's something that I tend to do. And three, pursue opportunities to share the gospel. We need to pray for these opportunities and just, just, just go for it. Just let the Holy Spirit do his work. We see in the chapter where it says, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Some don't believe at the time of hearing the message of Jesus. This happens, but some are convinced. So we just need to keep going, keep pursuing. And I use my mum as an example. So um, back in 2016, she had a back operation to help with her walking, but it went wrong. So she ended up in a wheelchair and she nearly died. She spent a whole year in hospital. But in that year in hospital, she was seeing consultants, she was seeing nurses, she was seeing physios, and she would always take the opportunity to speak about Jesus. And she'd always start the conversation as, have you been to church? Do you go to church? And I would think, oh, here we go. But she was always taking that opportunity just to speak about the good news. And four, persevere with friends and family in sharing the gospel. I'm obsessed with time. So it's so interesting in the passage that we've got those two time elements. We've got that 24-hour period where we have Paul speaking from morning until evening about the kingdom of God. That man didn't stop. And then later on, towards the end of the passage, for two whole years, he spoke boldly and without hindrance about the gospel. This is such a model of perseverance for us. Paul could say with confidence in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, that wonderful verse, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. We need to keep going. At times, we may wonder if our conversations are ever going anywhere. I remember speaking about my faith some years ago with a friend of mine. Over the years, I would talk to him about my faith, and I'd think, it's, it's probably not landing, and then we lost contact. And then I saw him some years later at Vauxhall Station, and I almost didn't recognize him. He looked like a completely different person. Joyful, face glowing, and I, was, I, I almost didn't recognize you. And he said that he had come to faith, and he was actually helping to run a church. At verse 25, we see the Jewish leaders disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made a final statement that the Holy Spirit spoke to their forefather through Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and, clo and they close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn I would heal them. And that final statement's taken from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 9, which Emily read to us, and where it was wonderful to see so many people respond. So you have Isaiah living in Israel during a terrible time. It was full of injustice, where leaders were taking other people's properties, their homes. People were homeless. These same leaders were having fine feasts where people were dying of hunger, dying of thirst. Then Isaiah sees God in his holiness, and he says, as we heard, he's a man with unclean lips, and he lives amongst unclean people. 
because the leaders are doing terrible things. An angel picks up tongs and places coal on his lips to cleanse him. Isaiah then puts himself forward to spread the message of, 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 of God. So it's interesting how we have two aspects here with Isaiah. We've got him wanting to deliver the, new, to deliver the news of God to the people, which he does as a prophet. And two, we've got Isaiah who feels unclean. The Bible doesn't say why Isaiah says that his lips are unclean or why he feels unclean. But God took away the uncleanliness that Isaiah felt. And he continues to take away those feelings of unworthiness, of uncleanliness. Feelings of guilt and shame can be reasons that act as a blocker that can prevent us from seeing and hearing and for our hearts being healed. From, it prevents us from hearing the, 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 the gospel of Jesus. And for years, I was in that place where I felt that God could never accept me because of the guilt that I felt. So for years, I would go to a church in central London, sit at the back, right-hand side, and just hear the message. Over. But I wasn't hearing, I wasn't seeing. But this I know for a fact, that's a lie that we can't be received, that God doesn't love us. God loves us so much that if you're sat here and you have those feelings of guilt and of shame, God loves you. He sent his son to die for you, that you can have that complete assurance of forgiveness and that nothing can ever, ever separate you from the love of God. Isaiah is told about the one who will be born of a virgin and the one who will be called Emmanuel, the one who will set us free. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, he forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. So Jesus took everything with him and nailed it on that cross on that day, the guilt the shame. We don't need to experience that anymore. We're free. We've got that freedom. That's the good news. We've got that eternal life and we've got that confidence in Christ. Verse 28 says, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. The Gentiles were not Jews and were seen as being outside of God's people but this could not be further from the truth. We see in scripture that the message of Jesus is for everyone. And as I near towards the end of this talk, the passage started by telling us that Paul lived by himself with a soldier to guard him. Paul is bound with a chain. And then at the end of the passage, we see that Paul is in a house for two whole years where he boldly and without hindrance speaks about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus. So we see three physical restrictions on Paul. We see the soldier outside his house, guarding his house. We see the chain and we see the house. And those things did not stop him. The message of Jesus is so life-changing that Paul made it his mission to make sure that this good news is known. And I pray right now, I pray for a real stirring, a real passion in our hearts, that from this, we've got this ignition 
that we want to go out, we receive and we want to go out and spread that good news. I pray that God uses us so boldly and without hindrance to spread that good news that it goes viral. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. We thank you that you sent him to this earth to die for us, for each and every single one of us, that we can have our sins cleansed, that we can have eternal life, but we have that freedom in you. And Lord, I just pray, we just pray that we can just go forth. We can have that stirring, stir that passion in our hearts, Lord. Stir that passion in our hearts where we go out, we spread that news. Anything that's restricting us, any chain, we pray that you just remove it from us, Lord. We pray we just go out and speak boldly in your name. Amen.